Well, on this graduation Sunday, as we look at these young men and women, and I know for many of you, you have been attending uh, college graduations over the last two to three weeks. Uh, Stacy and I had our youngest graduate two weeks ago, and many of you have been celebrating that. And in this coming week, there's a lot of high school graduations, whether they're your children or your nieces and nephews, your, your grandchildren. It's the, the season for graduations. And so as we celebrate graduations, I thought it would be good to start this morning with a, a little video clip of perhaps one of the greatest graduation speeches ever given. members of the graduating class. I have only one thing to say to you today. It's a jungle out there. You gotta look out for number one, but don't step at number two. And so, to all you graduates, as you go out into the world, my advice to you is, don't go. It's rough out there. Move back with your parents. Let them worry about it. No, no, no. As both a parent and a pastor, no. The reality is, though, there's a lot of pressure to stay put, to go back home, to play it safe. But that's not where the gospel of Jesus Christ leads us. The gospel of Jesus Christ has a different message for your life. And the message of the gospel is not go home, It's get up and go. As I was thinking about all the different stories in the gospel about people who are called to get up and go, I thought today I want to share with you the story of one of the heroes of the Old Testament, a woman named Ruth. I'm reading today in our scripture reading from the the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, reading from the first chapter. And I invite you all to read along with me. Let us listen for God's word to us. In the days when the judges ruled, in other words, a long time ago, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other Ruth. After they had lived there 10 years, both Malon and Kilian also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and without her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab, that the Lord had come to the aid of his people, providing food for them back in Bethlehem. She and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. 
May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. And then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and she said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I am going to have, am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. My friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. Indeed, you always bless us in the reading and hearing of your sacred word. We pray that that word find its home in our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray your spirit would be upon me, guiding my thoughts, removing from my lips any words but your own that with faithfulness and with integrity I might proclaim the wonderful good news of your redeeming love. Amen. The world tells us consistently to play it safe, to go home, to live with mom and dad, to sit on the couch and play the video games and post the selfies. The status quo is always the best quo. But that's not the gospel. That's not the way God works. I think about all the, the, the people, the characters of the Old Testament to whom God called them out of the status quo, called them out of their comfort zone, called them out of their homes and said, get up and go. Whether you look all the way back to Abraham And Abraham was no spring chicken. All the way to Abraham, to Moses and the Israelites, they were slaves, captured. They were enslaved in Egypt. Where were they supposed to go? And he said to get up and go. Or you've got um, Joshua crossing over the Jordan to take command of the promised land. Get up and go. Be strong and of good courage. In the New Testament, you've got Jesus saying to the disciples, Come, follow me, another way of get up and go. Or you've got Paul, back then named Saul, on the road to Damascus, and 
the living Christ says, get up and go. Preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Indeed, go to the ends of the known world and preach the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. You've got examples like Philip, who gets called by the Spirit to get up and go and preach the gospel to the Ethiopian. The stories of Scripture are filled with people who are told to get up and go. Rarely does the Spirit say to anyone, hey, just sit around for a while. Let's see what happens. That's not the way it works. That's not the gospel message. And yet, that's what the world says to us. I love the story of Ruth, the story of a very brave woman, a woman who is obedient, who is faithful, whose fidelity is lifted up as an example of what the people of God should feel towards their God. You've got Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws, Orpha and Ruth, and they're living in a strange land. Naomi and her husband leave Bethlehem to go to this land of Moab. That in itself is very risky because back then, you know, you depended upon your tribe, your kinsmen, your people to provide protection, and, and they looked out for each other. Suddenly, because of the drought and the famine, they have to leave and go to Moab where they don't know people, and there's no one there looking out for them. They were living in Moab. We would call them illegal aliens. The Bible calls them sojourners, and sojourners had certain rights and privileges in that uh, Near Eastern area that you were supposed to allow them to live peacefully with you. They were allowed to make a living. Uh, You know, you you didn't um, um, uh, persecute them but they were still outside the tribe, and it was difficult to be a sojourner in someone else's land. Well, while they're there, both Naomi's husband and her sons die. Now, as bad as that sounds, let me assure you, it was worse. Because back then, women could not provide for themselves. Women were not allowed to have jobs of any sort. If you didn't have a husband or a father to take care of you, Women had very few choices. Women could, uh, they could become beggars on the street. They could depend upon the goodwill and graces of their family and friends to give them handouts. They could be prostitutes or they could get remarried. And that's it. Those are your options. So it was a very desperate situation that Naomi finds herself in. She has very few options. She says quite clearly, I'm too old to get remarried, and none of the options sound good except maybe, maybe if she goes back home to Bethlehem, maybe her family will take care of her. So she says to the daughter, she says, I'm going back home to my people, and I pray that they will be kind to me. But you two stay here. These are your people here in Moab. You need to go home and let your family take care of you. Maybe you'll find another husband. You know, this is not the end for you. Stay here. This is safe. This is known. You go back to your family. Well, Orpha decides to take that good advice. But Ruth, Ruth has another word of the Lord. And that word is to stay with Naomi. Naomi, her mother-in-law, has cared for her has loved her, has provided for her. They obviously have a great relationship, the kind of relationship I'm sure every mother-in-law wishes they had with their daughter-in-law. And Ruth makes a promise to the mother-in-law that I will not abandon you, that I will stay with you. Even if you take me away from my home, 
even if you take me away from my people, even if you take me away from all the culture, traditions, everything I know, to a foreign land, to this town of Bethlehem, I will go with you. I will not abandon you. I will be with you to the day you die, and even then, I will be buried with you. I will never forsake you. And so Ruth accompanies her mother-in-law, Naomi, to the land of Judah, to the town of Bethlehem. And what we read in the story is that God does amazing things through Ruth. Because of her courage, because of her willingness to get up and go, because of her willingness to be faithful to Naomi, because of her willingness to go on this adventure, she meets Boaz, and they marry. And they have a son who has a son who has a son, and that son turns out to be King David. And it is through Ruth that the Davidic kingship and eventually our Lord Jesus Christ's lineage comes through Bethlehem to Ruth and Boaz. God was using this whole situation to create the opportunity for the Davidic covenant and the birth of the Messiah. Now, Ruth and Naomi had no idea what God was up to, but the point was that Ruth did not take the easy way, the known way, the stay-at-home game, she said, where you go, I will go. The world is going to tell you to play it safe. The gospel is going to tell you, get up and go. You are way too young to remember the name of David Livingston. David Livingston, along with Spear and Moffat, those are kind of the three historic names, Spearmoff and Livingston, for Presbyterian missionaries in the world. David Livingston was born in 1813, just a little before y'all. 1813, back in Blantyre, Scotland. It's a, a mill town, uh, blue-collar, working-class people. And he was one of 10 children. And all the boy, his father worked in the mill, and all the boys were expected to grow up and go to work in the mill. That's just the way it worked. But David Livingston heard another voice. He heard the call of God on his life to do something more than that. So he went and worked in the mill, very difficult work, for 14 years, saving every penny he could. And with that money, he then paid his own way through the University of, of Scotland in Glasgow. Yes, that's right. He paid his own way. <laughs> when he was grad, he studied science and medicine. And when he was graduating, there were some professors and um, uh, some folks who were going to set him up as one of the premier physicians in Scotland. He was going to be a very wealthy, very prominent man and really have uh, as luxurious a life as you could have had in the 1850s in Scotland. He would be the man. But he had a conversation over tea one day with two guys from the London Missionary Society. And they talked to him about Africa. And they told him of the great need and the poverty in Africa and how desperate and, and hopeless people were and the great need to send missionaries to the interior of Africa. Now, David Livingston could have played it safe. He could have gone back to Scotland. He could have been wealthy. He could have been famous. He, he could have been the top dog in Scotland. But instead, he listened to the voice of God that said, get up and go. And he went to Africa. 
and he's traveled throughout Africa. He's mainly credited with bringing the gospel to the interior part of Africa that today we call the nation of Malawi. It wasn't called that back then. But he brought it to Malawi where he converted the chief and the chief's family to Christianity. And through that, of course, the whole tribe eventually became Christian. And then he called for more missionaries and doctors and teachers. And they started building schools and hospitals and uh, more churches and a seminary in Malawi. And in honor of David Livingston, to this day, the capital of Malawi is Blantyre, Malawi, just like where David Livingston was in Blantyre, Scotland. And if you go to Malawi, you have this wonderful uh, uh, indigenous African culture until they go to church, and suddenly it's Scottish Presbyterian. And, <laughs> and they even have a little Scottish brogue going on, you know? It's, it's, it's a little unusual. But this man had such influence over thousands and thousands of people. And not only that, David Livingston traveled east and west across Africa four times, establishing trade routes and what would later become transcontinental roads and railways that opened up Africa to commerce and, and, and to industry and all these things. Um, David Livingston discovered Victoria Falls, the largest waterfalls in the world. Can you imagine what it must have been like for him walking out of the brush and suddenly there's Victoria Falls? This guy was a force. He was the leading voice, the advocate against the Arabic slave trade that was happening on the eastern coast of Africa. This man literally saved millions of lives, helped develop an entire continent, brought the gospel of Jesus Christ into Africa. He could have stayed home. But he heeded the voice to get up and go. You stand on the threshold of a new beginning, new opportunities, new possibilities, new adventures that we can't even imagine wait for you out there. Hear the word of God. Be strong and of good courage. And then get up and go.